0: Clingy enough? Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. A certain politician infamously criticized voters for clinging to their religion, among other things. But is that really our problem, that we're just too focused on Jesus and the Bible and prayer and community and evangelism and so forth? Or could it be that we need to increase our cling factor? The alternative is to drift and maybe even to fall away. Our study of Hebrews continues with part two of Jim's message, The Danger of Drifting.
1: In this book, we're going to run into five different warnings. Listen carefully. Each of those warnings has one purpose. Just one purpose. Here's the purpose. The purpose of that warning is to say, if you don't know Jesus and keep him in the place he has earned, the place God has appointed him, then you're going to lose everything. That's the whole point. Meaning that if you don't respond to what God has said about in and through Jesus and what God promised to do in and through Jesus, if you don't respond to that actively, which is what faith is, you're going to inflict severe damage upon your own soul. I was talking with the Lord about this last Thanksgiving, and going through this end of the year. Okay, God, are there things yet that you want Tricene and Jen to be doing? I'm happy to continue to uh, to study prophecy. I love to teach prophecy because it's it's the heartbeat of the Scripture. It's the heartbeat of our future. It's the heartbeat of our relationship. With I love that. But you know what I observed? I observed people ask a question. And I would do my best to answer and then draw a little sketch and they'd say, oh, that's wonderful, that's interesting. And they tuck it in the back of their Bible like this, just like this, and go on about their life as if they didn't know it. And I got to thinking, something's missing there. And the Lord led me to Hebrews. And what the Lord is saying through the pages of Hebrews is, if you and I do not treat the prophetic promises of God with active anticipation and participation, listen, you're going to atrophy. It's going to affect you. You're not going to have the cutting edge that God wants in your life. In other words, Hebrew says, folks, you need to be people of faith. What does that mean? That means I embrace what God says in the revelation he has given us in and through Jesus. I embrace Jesus for what God says he is. I anticipate the things that he has promised to do, and I act upon that today. When we get there to chapter 11, you're going to see that every one of those people in chapter 11 did things that were Foolish. I mean, here's a, here's a 90-year-old woman out buying Pampers. <laughs> You've got to be kidding, Mama. No, I'm not kidding at all. God said, I'm going to have a son, so I'm buying Pampers. You get it? That's faith. Here's a guy building a huge ark on a piece of land that had never experienced rain. Did they get criticized? Were they considered foolish? Did they get persecuted? Were they called dumb-dumbs? Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And if you and I are going to respond to the word of God, the word that God has given us in Jesus, the revelation God's given to us in Jesus, we're going to be doing some things the world's going to say stupid. That's dumb. That's idiot. That's foolish. That's what faith does. Faith grabs hold today of what God says, because I did this, and because you have received this, I am going to do this, this, this. And my faith rises up and says, I believe that. So I act today as if it were history. And brother, that will change us. That's the whole point of Hebrews. You got it. I spilled all the beans in one message. But look at the first warning. Look at it. Look at it. Chapter 2, verse 1. Look. We must therefore pay even more attention to what we have heard. What's he saying? He is saying we need to, we need to get the we need to get the the, the, the hearing aids in the ear. We need to set up. We need to take time. We need to spend more time studying, reading, meditating, reflecting upon the Word of God, speaking about it with other brothers and sisters, stimulating each other to love and to good works. We need to ask God to cultivate within us a heart of, of, of faith and confidence, and we need to pay more attention to these things. It needs to stop being a Sunday school class, now listen, or just a Sunday morning service, or even a small group. It needs to become my lifeblood. That's what faith is. Faith isn't saying, I think that's true. Faith is saying, I know it's true, and therefore I'm going to act today on the veracity, the truth, of what God has said. Now, the writer is here giving the first of five warnings. He said, we must, therefore, pay even more attention to what we heard. What will happen if we don't? We will drift away. Dr. Hoyt writes in his book that this is a a word picture that's like we're, we're in a canoe and we're going down the river. And on each side of the river, we can see places where we could pull off, where we could pull off, where we could pull off. But we keep passing those places. And the current gets swifter and swifter and swifter. The idea is that if we are not feeding our souls, feeding our minds, if we're not ingesting what God says about truth and making that the standard of our decisions and the basis for our conduct, if we're not doing that, then we're going to we're going to lose our moorings. We're going to lose them. We're going to drift away from them, and we're going to get caught up in the mainstream of life as usual. We're going to become just like everybody else, and we're going to drift away from these eternal things that God gave to us in his Son. That's what that means. Now, there's one other word in this warning, too. Notice, we need to pay even more attention to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. For if the message spoken through angels was legally binding, and it was, and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, and it did, how will we escape? Note the word escape. That's a threat. That's a real threat. There's danger out there if we are not moored in, if we're not anchored in, if we're not, conditioned by if we're not feeding upon what God has said is truth and acting accordingly. How shall we then escape? How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? What's the great salvation? Listen, dear friends. It's far more than Jesus died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. It's far more than that. It's far more than that. It's the content of this book. It's what God has promised Jesus that he's going to do to exalt Jesus. It's what God has promised to do to the nations on the earth, those who, who revile him. It's what God has promised to do to those who ignore his Standards, reject His grace, spurn His truth. God has some very unpleasant things He's promised to do concerning those conditions. That isn't going to go on much longer. And the writer's saying that if we don't wake up, if we don't actively engage, if we don't pay more attention, to even the things that we've learned. If we don't keep those fresh in our mind, we're going to loose our moorings and drift away from them and we will not escape. Escape what? Escape the damage, the harm that comes to our own lives from being unmoored, from being drifting, from being unloosed from the foundations and the moorings of the truth. See that? How shall we escape? If we neglect, what does neglect mean? It means I'm not paying even more attention to the Word of God. It means if I'm not taking what God has said and purposely and prayerfully seeking to translate that into my behavior, my attitudes, my responses to people, the way I I manage my time, the way I manage my money, what I, what, I, what I do with everything, my whole life? Am I investing my life in the things that matter to God, in the things that matter to Jesus? Am I really investing my life in that? Or am I playing it cool? And nobody at work, nobody where I had lunch would have any idea that I'm really a follower of Jesus. Point of the warning is, we either get into those things, or we'll lose them. And there's real losses. There are real losses that Christians can experience. Oh, they'll be in heaven, because that's a gift of God's grace. But there are phenomenal things that you will lose, both in your own growth, in your own sensitivity, in your own walk, in your own maturing, in all those things, things that I will lose if I don't pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. And that leads us to the verse we read, or, uh, almost, verse uh, 5. He has not subjected to angels the world to come that we are talking about. The writer is talking about those specific prophetic promises of what God is going to give you as part of your inheritance. He's talking about those specific changes in character, those transforming qualities that make us like the Lord Jesus Christ that are part of the contract, part of the agreement. He's talking about making us spirit-filled people. He's talking about making us articulators and practices of truth. He's talking about making us act like, think like, and look like Jesus. We'll put all of that aside. We do that to our own peril. There are rewards to be lost. There are losses, not of salvation. But there are losses. And how those losses occur? They occur when we take the attitude or take on the activities that the Hebrews, the Hebrew believers were struggling with, to whom the writer writes this this message. Ah, thank you. I feel better. I'm here to tell you tonight. It's possible to be a born-again Christian on your way to heaven and drift far, far, far away, and drift into danger, drift into habits, drift into attitudes, drift into things that are damaging, corrosive, deadening to your soul. In the next warning, we're going to hear him say, the time has come. You've been saved so long. You should be teachers. And you have so atrophied that we need to go all the way back to the ABCs again. You've atrophied in your faith. You've not grown in your faith. You've not matured in your faith. you become like a little baby. And you have need that somebody else feeds you, and burp you, and diaper you. When you should have been strong and mature, when you should be serving others and sharing with others the things that you're learning, you have your focus on other activities on other things, other topics. That's why in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says, uh, let's, set our, let's, let's look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Remember? And he says, to do that, let's lay aside all the sins, and what else? The weights that so easily encumber us. What does that mean? That means good things that are out of balance. That means good things that have stolen our attention, grabbed our focus. A couple of years ago, somebody taught me to play Sudoku. How many of you play Sudoku? Let me see your hands. Come on, come on. Don't be ashamed. I want to see all the sanctified. One, two, three, four. Yeah, there's several of us here that have reached that degree. And I became so obsessed with that that I had to put it away. You know why? Because every time I had experimented, I was fascinated with the way the game sudoku. That was a weight that was besetting me. It was taking time away, time that I needed, time that I should have invested in other things. A weight that so easily besets. That's the danger in Hebrews. And as we go through it these next couple of weeks, I hope the Spirit of God sets my heart on fire. And I hope I learn lots of things, and I hope you do too. Of why it is urgently important for my own welfare for me to be listening up, focused, engaged in what God says about His Son and what God is doing in and through and for His Son, King Jesus, concerning this and the next age that this world's going into. It's an exciting topic. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for giving us this wonderful book. And I pray that you will will remind us that there is an age coming and that uh, the promises that you've given us of that age are out of this world. They're incredible. There's a new heaven and a new earth coming. There There are resurrection bodies. There are dwelling places in heaven. There are ministry assignments. There is so much, Father, so much that this book promises to those who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. Our tendency is to be a bit selfish. My tendency is to be preoccupied with things that seem on the surface to be important. And I need to be stirred up I need to understand that you have spoken your word so that I will not only understand what you're doing, but so that I will be engaged in those activities that lead to the fulfillment of those prophecies. I pray, Father, that the spirit that animated the writer of Hebrews would animate our hearts and minds, that we would, we would see clearly, we truly believe, that our tomorrows are numbered, and that days of Earth history are numbered, and that a massive change is in the making. And when it's finished, our world will be totally different. So many good things coming. They're part of our inheritance. You intend for us to, by faith, draw down upon them, sharpen our discernment and focus our choices, and learn new loves, and grow with new skills, and to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Those are not just for the The elders and missionaries and pastors, those are for every child of God. And they're not a burden, they're a blessing. They're there to be a blessing to us and to make us a blessing to others. Help us to see that. Help us to become involved in that. Help us to find time to pray, earnestly pray, and to pray also for the peace of Jerusalem, to pray for our nation, its leadership, Pray for the stresses, the challenges that sweep over us like waves. Help us, Father, to recognize the times in which we live. Help us to see the outline of what's coming. Help us to anticipate that and prayerfully make those things our life goals. Thank you for the privilege of being together tonight. Guide us as we plunge into this incredible book. May enrich our souls and strengthen our walk with you. Thanks for each person here tonight. And My friend, before I say amen, uh, if you are uncertain about your personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, by that I mean if you're not certain that you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal friend, as your Savior, that you committed your heart your life, your resources, your future, your eternity to him, and that you're seeking to have him lead you, direct you, help you. If you do not have that assurance, I urge you right now, right at this moment, to pray and to ask Jesus to come into your life. Just ask him. You may not understand at all. He'll hear your prayer and he'll respond. Scripture says we must believe, we must have full confidence that he is God and that in his death on the cross, he died in my place for my sin so that all that separates me from my Creator, God, could be forgiven. And then he gives me a gift of eternal life. What a great salvation. So, if you do not know Jesus, ask him. Sincerely, simply. Ask him to come into your heart and life, forgive you of your sins, and give you his grace, his mercy, and lead you to become the person he designed you to be. Again, Father, thank you for our time together, for the privilege of speaking in to our community each day with the message of your word. Thank you for these folks that make that possible, who pray and support and encourage it. Bless them. Make the word profitable, we pray. Take us safely to our homes and give us great delight and great anticipation with the opportunities you'll give us yet tonight and tomorrow to speak your word, to show your love, to share your grace to help someone dear, We offer this as our request in Jesus' precious name,
0: amen. We can tell that it wasn't easy for the early Jewish Christians to get the performance model out of their heads. They had always related to God in terms of rituals and commandments. Their North Star was the lawgiver Moses. Well, what's our excuse? Are we wandering away from the gospel for other reasons? Monday and today, Jim has spoken on The Danger of Drifting. The single message is yours on CD for a donation of $7 or more. Our Hebrew series will be extensive. We've split off the first 19 sermons and call that group God's Ultimatum Volume 1. You can have the entire CD album for a donation of $66 or more. I'm relaying thanks from Jim and from those of us who put Right Start together to the rest of the ministry team. That's you who've prayed and given. Without Jim, there's no program and there's also no program without you. Your part's that important. Please consider adding us to your prayer list and sending a donation if that's on your heart. Call us at 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313 or mail us at rightstart.com. P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. And find us on the web at rightstartradio.org. There you can send a gift securely, play Right Start Radio programs, or listen to complete sermons without the breaks we have to make for broadcast timing. The Right Start Podcast is the radio show on your smartphone. Find out about all those resources, email us, and more at rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. Tomorrow, Jim will give us the outline of the book of Hebrews, and then he'll begin engaging the arguments being made. Please join us for Wednesday's Right Start.